This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is Sam Piquette. And our amazing, fantastical guest is Alma Alexander. Woo! Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking again so people can drink along. I am still drinking my Jack, a uh, honey jack and ginger ale. And I also have some water in my drinking with author swag cup. Uh, Jen, what are you drinking? I'm still drinking water because I'm boring. Oh, you are boring. But Alma is drinking her lifeblood. <laughs> I tell people sometimes that I'm just enough of a human being with, with just, well, I'm just, let me just backtrack a little bit. When you try to tell a joke and step on your own punchline, it's really bad. Um, there's just enough uh, blood in my coffee stream to make me a human being. I think that is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I love coffee. Coffee. uh, Amazing. Okay. So this is literary briefs. We're going to do some rapid fire questions as long as I remember them. So the first question is, what is your favorite book of all time? Tigana. Guy Gabriel calls Tigana. And that was unexpected, wasn't it? It was like that. I presentized for this book. I basically take it out and wave it at people and say, if you haven't read this, you should, you must, you have to. What, why that one? What about it? Guy Gabriel Kay, and I did meet him, and you should probably realize that I did a completely idiotic fangirl <laughs> when I met him, um, because <laughs> he, he was, he's amazing. He's, he's a Canadian um, author, and he's very, very wonderful in everything. He's one of those people whose next book I buy before I, it's coming out here, take my money kind of thing. But um, Tigana, of all of his books, is special to me because you wouldn't think that somebody who, who is leading a relatively privileged life as a Canadian fantasy writer knows what it feels like to lose your country. But he does. He does. That book took my heart out and handed it to me in my hand, still beating. It was an unbelievable. It's the best book ever, ever. Wow. Okay. How many times have you read it, do you think? Oh, I lost count. I probably know it by heart by now. I've actually got two editions, one of which is the older one, which he signed for me. And then I bought a reading edition because the other one was falling apart and I didn't want it to die on me. So I've got a replacement one ready. That's when you know you, you love a book is when you have so many copies of it. I think that's a true testament as Jen has 8,000 copies of Lord of the Rings. So, it's true. Um, I have notes. I've got five, so I can sympathize. So, okay. So, put out a new one, I'm like, do I need another copy? Uh, Is that a question? (laughs) Well, the new copy is coming out with all of his notes or whatever. When is that coming out? Soon. And and I'm like, but I have all of this in other books. Like, do I need it in one place? I, I, I think I do. The new one with all of his notes and scribbles and whatever. Okay, yeah. so what is your least favorite book that you've ever read? Well, I wrote a few reviews of those. Um, <laughs> I told you about the ones that I wrote. Uh, 
Um, I would. There's too many. generic thing is what I really hate is when a really good book starts being written into a series and then it starts getting worse and 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 by the time you you're kind of keeping up with it until at some point you just say I can't do this anymore this is just too bad it becomes a parody of itself and there's there's a bunch of, of series that I started out very enthusiastically which I just simply gave up on because I was going oh my god why I oh I so understand that on so many levels. There's a couple series that I unfortunately I feel like I've I'm I you know poker term pot committed to. I've already put all my money into this thing, and I'm like, and we're on book twenty nine. But you like those like two characters from the beginning, and you're like, but I just need to know what happens to so and so. Yes, exasperated sight. Okay, um, what so. One of the, how, what is your writing setup? I'm going to get to the question. Wow. Thank you. Whiskey, which I have not drunk a lot of recently. Um, what? What? Um, Don't what mention you, that when I'm not a Sorry. I actually have a joke with people at my work that work for me. When they log on to meetings, they've learned the lesson of not trying to swallow drinks while I'm talking. Because I, anyway. Um, so let's what is your writing setup like like do you like it quiet do you have music anything like that like what is your idea like i'm gonna sit down and write what does that look like it doesn't really matter if i'm in the right zone for something i can write in the middle of a, a restaurant in the middle of a diner which is collapsing around me in a nuclear attack and i'll be writing that story I mean, I'm, I'm so focused on what I'm doing half the time that I don't really realize. I mean, there was one time that my husband had to call me for lunch 10 times because I just didn't hear him. It was like, yeah, okay, hang on. Yeah, hang on. It was, nothing existed. I've got this situation. I'm, I'm focused on the thing that's in front of me. So I can, I can tune out a lot of grief. Wow. When, that's when, it comes to the, when it comes to a cat who was sitting here typing on, that's a different story. But most of the, most of, most of the distractions um, I can tune out. And yeah, some of the books have soundtracks, but not all of them. Do you, if you're listening to music, can it have words in it? This is something that I, when we talk to a lot of writers, is they can't have words because they start singing along or whatever, and it distracts them from what they're writing. I'll, I'll go with that. I mean, there's there's songs that I love and that do make things happen inside my head, but I can't write to them. No, that makes sense. Okay, um, you do a lot of research. Do you do you consider yourself a plotter? Do you write a whole out? No, <laughs> violent head shake. No, no. I'm as much of a pantser as you can possibly hope to see. I half the time I don't know what's gonna. Half the time I find out what happens next as I'm writing it, just as you would when you're reading it. Do you have the way that I, go the, ahead? The way that I like to explain this to people is that I have a story seed and I stick it in the ground, and half the time I don't know what's going to pop up. I'll let you see a redwood before it starts growing. <laughs> I, I like that. it. Do you? Well, you were traditionally published. A lot of times, traditional publishers want like outlines and things like that. Oh, that's the bane of my existence. 
especially when they want a sales synopsis before I've written the damn book. And I can't do that because I don't know what's in the damn book. <laughs> there was one time that actually I kept a, a sales synopsis of a book that I eventually did get published. And if you read the book and the sales synopsis, the two of them got absolutely nothing at all to do with each other. <laughs> yep. That the publisher was like, um... I warned them. I did warn them. I said, here's your synopsis, but it's not going to be the book that you're going to get. It's like The Walking Dead with the aliens. When are the aliens coming? They're not. I just said that so that you would publish it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Did you, um, when you, oh, well, I just lost the question. It's going to come back one second. Oh, yes. What do you (laughs) think, um, this is so great. Whiskey hitting me. It's so fun. I haven't had whiskey in four weeks um uh when you are writing um and then i just lost it again (laughs) the question while i'm trying to figure out i was gonna ask um when you read are you do you read one book at a time or do you multi multi read do you read multiple Uh, i'm currently reading three Uh, they're in different rooms of the house one of them yeah. One of them is um, a book of essay, book of older essays by Umberto Eco, which I've gone back to because there was something that I remembered in one of the essays, but I don't remember which one it is. So I've got to read the whole thing to find. <laughs> I just need to find a specific thing because I need it for something. So that's one. And the, another one is a mystery, which is sitting in my living room, which I'm picking up as I sit down in there and read a few chapters or a chapter and I just put it back down again. So I keep on coming back to it. But this is my husband's legacy. This is mysteries are his thing, not mine. But um, the Longmire series was something that we shared. So this was the latest Longmire and I've started I've started that, so that's sitting over there. And then I've got a whole bunch of uh, of authors that are sitting there uh, in, in, in my Christmas pile. This is the year of reading diversity, if you like. And I've got uh, a set of shorter books, almost novella length, but they're kind of novelish. But there's four of them, and they're loosely connected by a Chinese writer. And I'm just dipped into those and got to follow those up so well technically if there's four books that are connected so so there's four there and the essays and this also make it six books i'm reading do you write in your books uh sometimes um yes i know it's a heresy but sometimes i especially when they're non-fiction i'll I'll make notes in the margins if i need to just thinking about your foucault if you had underlined it Yes, and I know that the thing I'm looking for is underlined, and I know I'm looking for it. I know it's in there somewhere. There's a particular quote that I know is in there, and I've got to read the whole damn book before I get there. Okay, so I remember my question now. Do you have any things that you do as a writer that your editors bring up? And what I mean by that is, like, Jen's characters in her book shrug a lot. Not as much anymore because she's super used to the fact that they shrug way too many times. So she can do control find for the word shrug just to resolve that in the book. Do you have anything like that that you do? Not so much the repetitive actions of characters as such. But I do start a lot of sentences with prepositions. Ah, great preposition. I will start a bunch of sentences with, and this happened, and then, and this, and uh, well, one of the editors that I was working with, would you please just stop starting sentences with, and? 
I mean, you're allowed. Control fine. Um, yeah, yeah, probably in, in a kind of a, a small uh, pinch of salt kind of thing. But when you're doing it every third sentence, it starts a little um, much. Writing on people, I suppose. Well, that's, uh, that's an interesting quirk. Do you read books all the way through regardless? Or will you put them down if they're not good? I'll start skimming. <laughs> if I get to a certain point and they're not grabbing me and I want to know exactly what just what happened, I'll just flip. So I'll kind of speed read the rest of it just to find out what happens and then leave it. But I tend to finish them in a certain context, not necessarily detailed. Do you have to have, um, for your fiction books, because this doesn't happen with nonfiction, with fiction books, do you need a happy ending? Do you want a happy ending to the story? Oh, hell no. Good. I don't believe a happy ending. Even when I was a little girl and I was being fed the happy endings fairy tales, I was asking who's happy ending and why? And what happened to the person who didn't get a happy ending and the whole thing? What, what happened to them? I love that. I love that so much because my, my, I write horror stories and none of them have happy endings. Because I don't think people can go through that much trauma necessarily, and it. Oh, um, with if, I, if I ever if I ever met a bunch of my characters in a dark alleyway at night, I'd be slaughtered because I put them through hell. None of them really get a happy ending in the end. What is your? Do you have a favorite character that you've written? Oh no no no! Don't ask me that. It's like having to choose in front of your children. It's like asking your mother which is your favorite baby. <laughs> I always tell whichever one's in front of me they're my favorite. That's well, my favorite, apparently. And I say, don't tell your sister or don't tell your brother. Do you have a favorite fairy tale? The original Little Mermaid. Oh. And I, the Disney version. I don't really like what Disney did to I mean, they Disney-fied it. And there's a time and place for that, but not that story. No. <laughs> you wanted seafoam. I, that story taught me compassion. The Disney version doesn't. I, yeah, I think that people have forgotten the, we, we've talked about this, forgotten the intention of fairy tales. Like fairy tales had, some of it was to put people in their place and don't try to reach for this. And, but a lot of those had some very good life lessons that got altered by changing the way they go. I say that regularly because, um, and it's not really a fairy tale, but my one of my favorite stories of all time is Alice in Wonderland, right? But people have seen the Disney versions and the other versions so much that they don't realize what a completely horrible place Wonderland is. Yes. How dangerous it is. <laughs> it's Victorian England. It's terrible. It, and how much mortal peril Alice ends up in regularly throughout that story. And that the yeah. author was crazy pants, you know? <laughs> so when people come I absolutely, Alice, I, love, like, I don't know if you've read uh, any Russian fairy tales, but the, they are... The puppy and the, and the, and the lion in the zoo is the story that I always think of. Where they, where they, there's the, the lion in the Russian zoo, and they feed him puppies, and then he refuses to eat the one puppy, and they become friends, and then the puppy dies, and the lion starves to death. Like, 
Yay! Well, this is your Russian story. For never look for a happy ending in a Russian story; they won't happen. Um, but there was one particular fairy fairy tale that um, it was. There's a whole series of stories about uh, a magical woman called Vasilisa Prekrasnaya, which means Vasilisa the Beautiful. And there was one particular story which I stop it. One particular story that I absolutely loved when and she gets um, th this is. In Russian fairy tales, there are always three princes. The two oldest ones are always idiots. The youngest <laughs> one is always called Ivan, and he's always the one who gets everything done right. In this particular fairy story, the king has uh, his three sons shoot an arrow into the air. And wherever it landed, then that would be the girl that they would marry. So the first prince shoots an arrow and lands in a nobleman's courtyard and his daughter picks it up and that's fine. That's the way it should be. He's a prince, she's a noble lady, that's okay. They got married, that's fine. The second one shoots his arrow and lands in a merchant's courtyard and it's not as good, but still, okay. Prince, rich merchant's daughter, they marry, that's okay. Prince Ian shoots his arrow and it lands in the swamp and gets picked up by the frog. And his father says, a decree is a decree, you must marry the frog. So he marries this frog very, very unhappily. And it turns out that she is, of course, enchanted. And the whole story yeah. just ends up, I mean, the whole story just ends up being absolutely beautiful because he turns up at the ball with the enchanted version of the woman. Now she's suddenly a beautiful princess and she's all kinds of magic things happen. Like she's gonna, during the banquet, she puts a, a chicken bone or, or a bone in, in her sleeve. And while they're dancing, she flings out a sleeve and the, a swan comes out. And the two other wives are going, well, this isn't good. And so they try the same thing. And of course, when they fling their sleeves out, chicken bones fly out and hit the king in the face. <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> it's an absolutely beautiful joy. It's just such joy in it. One of those books and I know it by heart and I just keep on reading it and just grinning at it because it's just so beautiful. It's just so much schadenfreude. Have you um, written a story based on that particular one? No, that's too good. I wouldn't touch that. I mean, that's kind of thing you don't meddle with. When something is that brilliant, you just leave it on its own. You just leave it standing. Someone's already done too good a job on that story. Has anybody ever dressed up as your characters? Not that I know of. I'm just going to throw that gauntlet out there for anyone listening. Cosplay. Cosplay the characters. I think that would be amazing. That would be so much fun. Um, COVID obviously has meant a lot of different things to different people um, and who've been affected by it in many different ways. Are, are you looking forward to getting back out to conventions and stuff like that and being around people a lot again? Part of me is and part of me isn't. Um, even at conventions, I used to have to crawl off into a dark corner and recharge every so often because being on all the time is hard for me. I mean, I'm going to go on a panel and I, as you have just found out, I'm losing my voice and I can talk about writing for an hour and a half without quitting. But then I have to go away and kind of put my head down and go, okay, I'm going to rest now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a people person up to a point and then I'll crawl back into my own little circle, my own little shell. So yes and no, I'm looking forward to the interactions 
again with real people because that hasn't happened for a while. But again, the conventions are the Boston's holiday, really. I just kind of crawl off and try and recharge by myself every now and then. No, I totally understand. I have a lot of friends that are like that, that, that can't be on all the time. I, I don't know. I have a, a thing where I'm like, I can be on the whole time. But I will say it gets exhausting. It's tiring to be on because I don't think people realize that even if you're sitting at a booth at a convention and people come talk to you, it's not like a normal conversation necessarily as much as you'd like it to be because you're this author and you're the celebrity author and they're meeting, you know, that sort of thing, or potentially you're working on selling your books or whatever it is that you're doing. Do you like doing panels? Yeah. Uh, and I'm good at it because I'm funny. <laughs> I'm going to come up with, <laughs> I'm going to come up with the puns, right? Totally. Um, Do you have a favorite pun? Uh, yes, actually, because that's one which made me made a lot of people at the table that I was at throw their napkins at me at once. Um, there was a friend of mine who was moving somewhere and um, she had a farewell party and it happened to take place at the Chinese restaurant. And the Chinese restaurant had a bunch of tables of eight people each kind of thing. So I was sitting at this one table where the conversation turned to archaeology and how they somebody dug up what they swore was the real city of Troy. The, you know, they, they dug through the layers of, of layers uh, Herman of Schimler, right? Ones. And this was now the real city of Troy. And unfortunately for them, the location of this thing happened to be somewhere like Luxembourg or something stupid like that. And I just kind of looked up and said, well, if at first you don't succeed, Troy and Troy again. <laughs> Seven I people threw napkins at me at once. <laughs> I was like, ah! Well, that's, that's awesome. I think that's a brilliant compliment. Okay. <laughs> I asked you on the, le the last show, because we got to wrap up in a few minutes here. Um, what advice would you give authors? But um, what, what advice would you give readers out there trying to find a new... I think people stick with authors they like, but what? how have you found some of the best books that you've read? Sometimes purely by picking up a book in a bookshop that I didn't know anything about and I just liked the sound of. Um, the, the, what it boils down to is if you've read enough and if you're a reader, you're constantly reading, but if you've read enough, you develop an instinct for things. You develop a sixth sense for things. You just do. And you will gravitate to a certain book even when you don't know anything about it because something about it speaks to you. Trust your gut. Even if it's not the most brilliant thing you'll ever read, it might be something that you might enjoy, but you never would have picked up because you never heard of the author, never heard of the book. But if something about it calls to you, there's a reason. Trust that. I love that. Okay. So once again, how do readers find you? My website is at almalexander.org not dot com dot org because my um dot com and this is blackjack who is really really being a pain um blackjack is like you will hug me and i will be right on top of your face for those right. you're not watching this but the cat is like i'm going to be right on you need to pay more attention even though you're petting me you're not petting me enough 
And I'm on all the I'm on all the usual suspects. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on Goodreads. Um, if you go on Amazon, I've got my page on Amazon. We're going to find all my books on it. Uh, I've got a Patreon page if you want to help feed this creature. That is awesome. And what is the latest book of the collection of fairy tales that just came out? It's called Fractured Fairy Tales, and it looks, sorry, Blackjack, like this. I love that. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Awesome. Alma, you have been totally amazing. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So have you, Blackjack. You've been amazing. Distracted. <laughs> you didn't know getting a second guest. Yes. Well, I had no idea that we were going to have Blackjack available today. Had I known, I would have prepared more. So, <laughs> Alma, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. My name is Erica Lance. Jay of the Cat. And we'll see you next time.